Okay, I'm going to give my, my title for the sermon tonight um, is Do Not Obey the Ten Commandments. That's my title, Do Not Obey the Ten Commandments. Um, and I'm not talking about, by the way, you may have heard of this, there's something called the Sinner's Bible. Has anybody ever heard of the Sinner's Bible? In the early days of Bible printing, there was a misprint, and they left out the not from the prohibition against adultery. Uh, and it said, thou shalt commit adultery. That, that's now a collector's item. I'm not talking about that. Um, you're going to have to wait for what I mean by don't obey the Ten Commandments, but I mean it. But before I get to that, um, I'm thinking about vows. So I just got back from Texas where I did the wedding of my nephew, and I've been thinking a lot about vows um, and what a vow is. You know, when, when people get married, they make these vows to God and to one another, and it's a very joyful occasion. And I don't know if anybody's seen this, but people do renewal of vows. How many people, maybe some people have seen this, or I think some people in here, they've done that. They do a renewal of vows. And that's an interesting thing because sometimes it's, they're just grateful they've had a wonderful marriage and they want to celebrate it by renewing their vows publicly. Sometimes it's because they've really had a hard patch in their marriage. They've had real difficulties and they're grateful that through all those difficulties, they've made it and the marriage is working out and they renew their vows for that reason. Well, I'm going to suggest that when we take communion, we get to renew our vows every week. Every week, we have a covenant renewal ceremony for believers where we say, hey, maybe it's been a bad week. Maybe we've had a hard time. Maybe, maybe there's been sin. Maybe it's been a tough week. But we can come to the table. We can repent and we can renew our vows where he has made his promise to us in his blood and where we uh, recommit ourselves to being his disciples and being his students. We get to do that every week. And I want to suggest that what's going on in these chapters of Exodus is a marriage ceremony. In fact, I almost theorize that our marriage ceremonies are more inspired by this than the other way around because there is God making promises. And did you notice there's the people saying, all that God says, we will do. They're saying, I will. I, I will do it. So it's a, it's a covenant renewal ceremony that's going on. Now I want to comment on some boring but important stuff that's happening in these passages before I get to what I mean by do not obey the Ten Commandments. First, you need to remember the context of the Ten Commandments. Remember the whole story that's gone on so far. God remembered his people to whom he had made promises. He heard their cries as they were miserable in slavery. He fought for them against the powers that were trying to oppress them. He was a warrior who took out his sword and fought for them, striking the Egyptians with plague after plague to get them to let them go. He set his people free from slavery. All right. I love what it says in this passage that I carried you on eagle's wings. Right. I myself carried you. Uh, out, of, out of slavery. He provided for them in the wilderness. He even educated them in the wilderness. Remember, he gives these tests. And the best way, I think, to think about these tests is education. All right, Education comes from a Latin root that means to lead out. He's leading them out and leading them into being his people, being his son, his, uh, his beloved son. This is the context for the Ten Commandments. They're not an abstract set of rules that just came out of nowhere. They come out of this relationship that God 
is forging with his people Israel. And that changes everything about how we understand the commandments. Another boring but important thing to notice is that chapters 19 through 24 of Exodus are one covenant ceremony. All right, from this beginning, there's this one flow of covenant, and it lays down this pattern of biblical worship that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. First, they're to consecrate themselves. They're to set themselves apart to be his people and to be ready to hear his word. They wash their clothes. Then they hear the covenant, and it's God himself who says, this is my covenant with you. These are my words to you. And then, we haven't read it tonight, but chapters 21 and 23, people read it and it's like, this is a little weird. Now they get into all this weird legislation, rules, and laws. You know what that is? That's a sermon on the Ten Commandments. All right? It's an unpacking of what God has just said. It's giving illustrations and examples for how those commandments are to be unfolded in the lives of his people. And finally, the whole thing culminates in a covenant meal, in a meal that confirms the covenant. In, chapters, uh, in chapter 24 and verse 9, it says this, Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. That's what we do at this table. We eat and drink, and we behold the Lord Jesus in the scriptures. And because of his blood, we do not perish. This is the pattern for their worship, and this is the pattern for our worship. It continues and is fulfilled in the new covenant. Uh, a brief comment on um, the ordering of the Ten Commandments. There's, it's spoken of there's two tablets, and it seems as though they break into two halves. The first half having to do with relationship with God, right? They're to have no other gods before them. They're to have no graven images. They're not to take the Lord's name in vain. These all seem to speak of their relationship with God. But when you turn, the next set of commandments seems to have to do with their relationships with one another, right? And in this, we can see the two greatest commandments as Jesus articulated them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we see this structure that we have in the commandments. So let's talk about this obedience thing that I said. Do not obey the Ten Commandments. Here's a verse that I want to read that's specific to what I have to say. This is uh, 19, 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed, he says it, obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. The first thing I want to say is I want to disagree with the translation, all right? The word that is here, obey, is the Hebrew word for to hear, all right? And it's a very important word. It comes up later in what is called the Shema, the great prayer of the people of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But what I want to suggest is that there is no Hebrew word for obey. Just shut up and do it. There's no Hebrew word for that, all right? Uh, in fact... I don't know if you know this, but it, Hebrew is a spoken language died out for thousands of years. And then it was revived when the modern state of Israel was born. And they brought Hebrew back from the dead. And when they did so, and they wanted a word for just shut up and do it, they had to borrow a word from Arab, uh, Arabic. Because there was no word in Hebrew that had that sense of what uh, that's trying to get across. So what do I mean? Well, this word, often, when you see obey... 
It can have a range of meanings, and I'll just give you five examples of the range of meanings this word here can have. First, it can be to pay focused attention. Okay? It's not just here, right? Like sound waves entering your ear, but it's to really be engaged and tune in. All right? To be attentive. This comes from Deuteronomy 27.9. Be silent, Israel, and listen. Pay attention. Stop the noise and attend. Another sense is to hear, just like, oh, Adam says, I heard you walking in the garden. Right? I heard your voice, as it says. I heard your voice. But another important sense is to understand. All right? To understand. When God comes down to Babel and he confuses their language, it says they could not hear one another. Well, they heard the sounds, but they didn't understand them. Okay, there was no understanding. It can mean to internalize, to register, to take to heart. In Genesis 17, Abraham is pleading that God would bless Ishmael. And God says, well, listen, Isaac is my chosen one, but I've heard you. I've taken to heart what you have said, and I will bless Ishmael. Finally, hear can mean to respond with action. All right? And this is the closest to what we mean by obey, but it's still connected to all this other sense of understanding and paying attention to. So what God is saying to Israel is not just shut up and do it. He's saying attend to my teachings. Take to heart what I'm trying to give you understand the commandments. He's asking them and inviting them to treasure his teachings. Not just to do them, but to treasure them, to understand them, to make them the subject of their meditation, to make them the subject of their attention and their affections. He is educating his people. He is educating his children. He is bringing them out from the mentality of slavery and bringing them into the mentality of freedom. One thing we can say the commandments are doing is setting a negative limit. Does everybody know what I mean? They're setting a limit, the the sort of an outward perimeter. Uh, And I can illustrate it this way. To live in the United States, don't leave the United States. Does that make sense? That's the negative limit. If you want to live in the United States, you've got to be on the soil of the United States. That's the negative limit. But surely that's not everything about living in the United States. Does that make sense? There's a whole lot more to living in the United States. And so the commandments are giving this outward boundary. All right, if you're outside these boundaries, you're not living within the covenant. But there's a whole lot more. There is a whole land to explore. All right? And that is what God is inviting his people. He is inviting them into flourishing under his teachings. All right? He's inviting them under the way life was meant to be under his teachings. It's the opposite of life as slaves in Egypt. It's a life of service to God that is freedom, that is joy, that is flourishing, that is harmony between the generations. And I don't know how we ever bought this lie that in the Old Testament, the law is horrible and and terrible, and we should just think of it as a terrible, bad thing. All right, I just cite Psalm 1, Psalm 19, and Psalm 119. Psalm 1 says... The blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his law day and night. That does not sound like somebody who's like, oh, I've got to obey this. That sounds like somebody who's found treasure and is giving his heart to it. In Psalm 19, it says that God's teachings are more to be desired than gold. 
yea, than much fine gold. They are a treasure greater than money. And in Psalm 119, which is 176 verses, we can't spend all our time there, the psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All right, this is not the understanding of God's commandments as, yeah, you just got to do it. This is the understanding of God's teachings as something to delight in and to give one's heart to day and night. So to think about marriage, have you ever seen a married couple? Maybe you have. I don't know. Maybe a shotgun wedding. I don't know. But have you ever seen a married couple vow their vows kind of in a, you know, drudge? Usually I've been there front and center. They're giddy. And I think that's how we should receive the Ten Commandments as the bride of Christ. Giddy that his words bring life. They bring truth. They bring flourishing. They bring healing. When you consider God's commandments that way, God's teachings that way, you delight in them and you fight to come to understand them. You labor to come to understand them. Amen? So what might this look like with some of the commandments? We don't have time tonight to go into all ten of the commandments, but let me just illustrate with a few of the commandments. He says, you shall have no other God before me. He's not just prohibiting worshiping an idol, although he is certainly prohibiting in that, prohibiting that. But I think he's encouraging them to treasure God, right? To come to appreciate that he's a warrior for them, that he is like an eagle carrying his young, that he is a father providing for his children and educating him, that he wants them to have life and to have it more abundantly. See how that commandment is not just, oh, don't do this. It's no, it's an invitation to life. No graven image. It's not that you can't make an image to represent God, but you attend to his authorized image. What's his authorized image? It's his son. And also, everybody connected to his son. They're the images of God on the earth, and we're to attend to them and honor them. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. This is not just about not cussing. It's about attending to whether your life and your deeds match your confession. Right? To take the Lord's name in vain is to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and your life not live in conformity with that. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. And finally, do not steal. And I can just go to Paul for this one. He's not simply saying, don't take other people's stuff. He's not simply saying, hey, private property is important. He is saying that. But look at what Paul says in the New Testament. Steal no longer. But what? Labor with your hands so that you can have. That's not all. So that you have resource to give to others. See how the negative limit is don't steal. But where God wants to take his people in flourishing is this. I see my resources as a tool to bless others, to relieve the needy, to help others. Isn't that good? All right. So to fully state what I mean by don't obey the Ten Commandments. Here's what I mean. Delight in the teaching of God. Delight in his teachings. Oh, and I forgot to say this. The Hebrew doesn't even say Ten Commandments. It's ten words. All right, ten words, ten sayings. Delight in the teaching of Yahweh, the teaching that is manifested most authoritatively in Jesus, who is the walking, talking teaching of the Father. Delight in the gift of the Spirit that turns God's teaching into promises that we can live because we have divine help. 
delight in the perfect law of liberty, as James calls it, in which we grow in the freedom that God intended us to have, the freedom that the gospel grants, learning to fulfill the law with the help of God's Holy Spirit. So we come to this table tonight to renew the covenant, and we come, for the, some of us, for the first time to this table. He established this covenant in his blood. This was the first covenant, but this is the fulfillment of that covenant. And maybe it's been a tough week. Maybe you have not delighted in the teachings of God. Maybe you've stumbled. That's okay. We have an advocate with the Father. Confess that stuff to God and come with renewed joy to this table where we renew our covenant. Amen? I should say this, that one of the things about the school of Jesus, that this table, this table is for all students of Jesus, it is that it, it is a school of repentance. All right, this is one of the things that we're learning from him how to do. But you know what? If it's been a great week and you're not aware of any terrible thing that you need to confess, rejoice and ask for another week like that. And ask God to help you bring other people into that. So let's celebrate. Let's come to this table and renew our vows to Jesus our Lord. I do want to say that the table is open to all believers in Jesus who've been baptized. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're welcome at our tables. Let's pray.